are back with another episode of Bully Ball. I am Jason Aponte, joined as always by Stephanie Sanchez, the incomparable Stephanie Sanchez. Steph, oh, is Stephanie? Full, is Stephanie? Uh, full name? <laughs> is, yeah, I was going to say, is that cool? Like to call you Stephanie? Is that cool? We're on a full name basis. Yeah. I guess that's cool. I mean, I mean who calls you Stephanie? Does everybody just refer no to you one. as Steph? No one, right? Like, it's the same thing with me and Jason. Like, My mom different... calls me Stephanie. <laughs> ah, it's Stephanie. Ah, okay. Yeah, um, you know yeah and and my mom calls me Jason, but everybody else calls me Jay. Like you know, Steph doesn't call me uh, Jason. Calls me Jay. So yeah, I mean, only because I, I, I was corrected. Because I, I used who, to corrected who corrected you? Who corrected you? You did. I used to call I you. Did, I did. Jason, and then you're like, you, you know, you could call me Jay, right? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Jason is either uh, my mom calling me, or I've done something horribly wrong and someone yeah. is uh you know i'm in somewhat of trouble so uh but it's good to see you again stuff uh, a lot of stuff going on in 49ers land as usual it always seems like something's going on right like there's there's always something to talk about even when it's the dead time quote unquote mm-hmm. uh the tag window the franchise tag window opens today and it's funny the 49ers have used the franchise tag one time in the last few years can you name the player that they actually tagged wasn't it Robbie Gold? Wow, a kicker. Unbelievable. <laughs> kicker and aspiring. Kickers matter. Kick- kicker lives matter. <laughs> kicker and aspiring defensive coordinator Robbie Gold in 2019 <laughs> was the last 49er to be franchise tagged. So I guess the question is, Steph, do the 49ers use the tag again or do they just let it ride? I think they just let it ride. I don't think there's anyone really worth using the franchise tag on. I mean, it. I feel like the tag should only be used for someone who you absolutely, one, cannot lose, and two, someone who you're entirely comfortable paying that amount to, um, which every position has its own amount, right, that the franchise tag applies to. Mm-hmm. Um, even for a kicker like Robbie Gold, maybe they would consider it because they've done it before. Right, maybe. Uh, Who knows? Who knows where their head's at? Uh, but uh I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. Um I we know you wouldn't. Oh, I, I absolutely would. I it's time to replace now at this point, especially after the Jalen Hurd comments. But um it's uh it's interesting because you know Mike McGlinchey's a free agent. That's someone who's certainly up for a free agency tag, uh a, a franchise tag. Uh same thing with the Emmanuel Mosley, guys like Aziz Al Shair, Jimmy Ward, possibly. But, yeah, I, I don't think they use it either at this point. Um, if they were comfortable paying Mike McGlinchey whatever it is that he's going to get, they will probably just find a way to pay him in that way. Same thing with Jimmy Ward. I do think that there is a better chance for Emmanuel Mosley to come back just based on, hopefully, him not getting his market value, uh, which, according to Spotrack, is about $16 million for a cornerback, which would be ninth in the NFL um, based on his production. But maybe he wants to come back on a prove-it deal just because of the injury and then retest free agency next year, something to that degree. I think the 49ers are kind of banking on that as well, too. So, yeah, I do think that the franchise tag goes unused regardless if you don't lock in your franchise kicker, which we all know is imperative to winning Super Bowls as well, too. Stuff. So, um, Speaking of options, tags, it's getting close to a time for two players on the San Francisco 49ers for their fifth-year option. One is Javon Kinlaw. And the other is Brandon Ayuk. I'll start with you, Steph. Which of these two do you believe, if both of them, maybe neither of them, will get their fifth-year option picked up? Yeah, so Brandon Ayuk, um, his fifth-year option would cost uh, about 
14 million. Um, mm-hmm. trying to find Javon Kinlaw's numbers. Uh, he would be 10.4 million. I think we've already heard reports, right? Yeah. That the 49ers are not going to be picking up Javon Kinlaw's fifth year option, which com- makes complete sense. It's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but it makes complete sense from the business standpoint of everything. Um, I think the 49ers would pick up uh, Ayuk's, however, yeah. because I think they're going to kick the extension can down the road just one mm-hmm. more year, um, maybe figure out what they can do with other contracts in the meantime, uh, because I think they want, they'd want they want to keep Brandon Ayuk. And that's why the the talk of like Debo Samuel potentially getting traded, by the way, he's not getting traded to the Patriots no. No. Um, or to the season for that matter. But I think the conversation of, potential Debo Samuel trade at some point in the future isn't entirely out of the question just because you know they at some point they're gonna have to look at keeping one or the other I think you know just based on how all the other contracts they have going for them and typically like you don't have two wide receivers who you pay big money to typically but um we'll we'll see what happens but I think they they uh they keep Brandon Ayuk around on the fifth year yeah, and and just to double back on his Debo Samuel report about the Patriots sniffing around the possibility of trading for him, that is literally one of the dumbest reports I've ever heard in my life. It's almost like I'm thinking of like that's, right, and that's the I'm, thing. I'm thinking about planning to ask some like it's literally something to that degree where I don't understand why people got so up in arms when you listen to the wording. None of that made any sort of sense, and then when you look at the dead cap number. And that's absolutely peak off-season content when it comes to, you know, people just making things up. Um, it, it just didn't make any sense. And when you look at the dead cap money, it just makes even less sense. So I didn't even bat an eye at that. We are, like, we are in the middle of off-season where everything is the biggest deal in the world because there is nothing else to talk about at this point. Yeah. But in regards to Kinlaw and Ayuk, yeah, I don't know how you can give Kinlaw the fifth-year option, especially for that amount of money. Just It's hard to evaluate a player who just hasn't been on the field. And that's just the unfortunate circumstances of his situation. And with Brandon Ayuk, I think you have to do it because he's been productive. He's part of your future. So, yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that when it comes to how they're going to do it. You know, you have to think about when you the fifth-year option, they didn't even give it to Mike McGlinchey. And Mike McGlinchey had been somebody who was largely healthy the entire time that he was there, right? And they they just looked at that number and they said, that's too high. We're not going to do it. And they allowed him to play his fifth year out. And now he's a free agent and we are where we are. I don't suspect that he'll be back. I think that he's going to get it back from somebody. I mean, he's the best available offensive tackle on the market. Like hands down, that's also going to help factor into it. So when you think about Mike McGlinchey and you think about them declining his fifth year option, having somebody who had played many, many games, how could you turn around and say that with Javon Kinlaw, especially when so many of us are just asking for more help from the defensive tackle position which we'll talk a little bit further about you know free agent signings and things like that so yeah i got Ayuk and i got kinlaw not and the, and the reports kind of confirm that again when you hear certain people talk kinlaw's not going to have his 50 year option picked up if that's mayoko then you know that it's something that's very founded and we're starting to figure out that some of the things that have been said in this past offseason apologies to mike silver might have been true he just left out a little bit of context so i'm going to stop I'm going to stop getting mad at all these reports now because they have some truth to them, don't they, Steph? But I'm still mad at Mike Silver. He just okay. left the context. For one, for, for one, he blocked me. 
<laughs> I'm blocked too. I'm blocked too. And I saw and I saw him at the Super Bowl and I almost wanted to walk up to him and say, Hey man, can we hash this out? How do we figure this out? Like what how do we get to a certain place? But as far as the report goes, he was right. It's just he framed it in a doomsday. But that's way. that's that was my issue. That that was yeah. my issue, even to this day, with with the report. It wasn't so much whether it was true or not. It was was this a big deal or not? And the way it was framed made it seem like it was a big deal. And even after the context came out that Trey Lance gave, you know, he was doing his victory laps, which, yeah, I was right about this. Sure. But you, you missed the context. Like this information would have been very helpful in determining whether it was a big deal or not. A lot of us had already assumed that it wasn't a big deal, but now we know, I mean, yeah, you throw for 21 straight, your arm is going to be shot. Like that's just, the, the truth of it and so that that context was important and we didn't get that unfortunately in the original report you saw the victory laps because i can't i i honestly like when you're blocked well, <laughs> you forget the person exists and when you mute people you forget they exist like that's the best part about twitter is muting people just because they're yelling at you in the replies and you don't see to and, <laughs> yeah it's so good um are you surprised that trey admitted that no i think for one it, it came in, in that interview with Quincy Avery, right? Who he's very yes. comfortable with. And I think yep. Quincy brought it up. So like it, he, at that moment, he probably just felt comfortable saying it. And maybe he, he knew that adding that clarity would, would help, you know, he didn't have to bring anything up about it. You know what I mean? Nope. Cause it was a year later. <laughs> like, And I'm sure that wasn't a surprise that he was going to bring it up. Yeah. So I, I don't think he needed to bring it up or anything, but I'm I'm glad he, that he did. He's been through the most recent interviews he's been doing. Like he's been very like honest, and I you know I'm a fan of all the things that he's been saying. So um, this was just another one, and, and I'm glad he added that. It certainly seems like Trey Lance has been doing his best to remind people how smart he is, how calm he is, how mature he is with all of the appearances that he's had. He did have to walk back something as well, too, about being cleared, in which he said, my physical therapist yelled at me about being cleared. And apparently that second surgery was actually more of a setback than people wanted to realize. At the same time, he'll be ready for OTAs, but it wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't. So that is something that we're learning. But again, if I could put my tinfoil hat on, certainly feels like the 49ers are allowing him to get in front of any microphone that's possible for two reasons. One, just to remind people that this is a very smart kid, a very mature kid, wise beyond his years. And two, possibly preparing him for what's in front of him. He may be the guy who's going to be answering all of the tough questions going forward as the starting quarterback. So let's pivot to what everybody wants to hear about, the quarterback position for the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy will have surgery tomorrow, uh, February 22nd. And... Probably the biggest day in terms of the 49ers offseason just because you you want to know what's going on with him because it's going to lead to a bigger decision when it comes to the quarterback position, right? right. I still believe that no matter what happens with this surgery, the 49ers are going to be bringing in a vet. Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater, something to that degree. Somebody who's competent, steady, and if need be, starts one game, not many games because that's not their job not what they really want but what do you think we talked about perfect scenarios you know are we just gonna go with the six-month thing and just hope for the best 
Um, I mean, I think for now, that's that's all we have to to go on of, of right? So I think we'll know more after tomorrow or shortly right. thereafter and then reassess, right? So, but as of right now, I think we just got to hope for the best that it's going to be this six-month timeline. Now, I agree with you. They're going to have to bring in someone else because, yeah, despite Kyle Shanahan saying we feel we have two uh, starting quarterbacks – or two guys who can start, both of those guys are are also hurt. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they will be, you know, for a good portion of the offseason. So you have to bring someone in. And you it needs to be a veteran, right? It needs to be someone who has been there before, who, like you said, can go in and start if need be. Um, so yeah, it, it it's just a matter of who will that be, right? I think I'm I'm very interested to see because I feel like Kyle Shanahan's kind of picky in, in that regard of like who he brings in and he always brings in someone like you never would have expected. Like someone he's, yeah. Maybe it, well, Nate Suffolk is not even like terrible, right? Like he was, no, he was but it's not somebody better. It's, it's just <laughs> a backup, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, like the Hoyers and like, just, just people like who you would have never Hoyer thought or hoped for. Oh uh, so who knows? So just, he likes to have someone who he has experience with before or mm-hmm. someone on his staff has experience before. And I don't know who that guy is right now, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Johnny Manzo. Oh, no, I'm just joking. Um, yeah, <laughs> look. And then the thing is, is this, right? If we're doing best case scenario, right, it's always, and this is a life mantra, it's always hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And the 49ers mm-hmm. have shown that they're going to insulate themselves. I do think that they do have to bring someone in, not just to just in case either of these guys have setbacks or if something worse happens. I mean, you need quarterbacks to take reps at this point. Yeah. So so what does that mean in terms of maybe you draft a guy really late? Like, uh, you know, st- <laughs> what's the guy's name from Georgia? Stetson Bennett. He's 35 years old. He's a veteran. Like, why not bring him in? You know, uh, it's a joke. He's not 35. He's actually like 28 uh, playing college football. But that's the joke around him. You know, like there's ways to bring in guys to take reps. But are you bringing in a guy who you really believe in? Or are you just bringing in somebody who's baseline and stable and can write the ship just in case, God forbid, something happens? So we're going to find out tomorrow. Hopefully we hear successful surgery, no issues, and everything goes to plan. And then I think the best (laughs) – yeah, Rob makes a good point. It would be nice to have one guy start for an entire season. But, you know – uh, I want a lot of things. It doesn't seem like that's something that's in the cards. But um, I do think the best case scenario is this, is Trey Lance gets cleared. He gets all of minicamp. He gets all the training camp reps. By the time we get to this third preseason game, August 22nd, there's a real discussion about whether you should go back to Brock Purdy, right? Like, you don't want to make this easy where Brock Purdy comes back and it's, oh, my God, you have to go back to him because then for me, that feels like Trey Lance hasn't taken necessary jumps, right? And then mm-hmm. it starts to make the pick even even harder to digest, right, at this point. Because we are going into another offseason in which we don't know anything about Trey Lance. So I think best-case scenario is there's a large discussion about whether you should go back to Brock Purdy or Trey Lance is actually turning into that guy. And that's really what I'm looking for and hoping for because Trey Lance is going to have that all in front of him. I don't think that's the best case scenario. <laughs> Why not? Wouldn't the best case scenario be that Trey Lance just takes the oh, well, that's the what job I mean. wholeheartedly and there is no discussion? I'm tired of the discussions. Well, We've been having the discussions for like 
how many seasons in a row now? Like, Steph, I'm tired of it. I'm tired Steph, of it. Trey Lance could complete 300 out of 300 passes in training camp and in preseason, and if Brock Purdy's ready to go, that discussion is not I going disagree. anywhere. Why I don't not? Know. I disagree. I think if I think there is a scenario in which Trey Lance could, you know, blow people out of the water and you know be the unquestioned starter after you know off season. I hope so. I mean, that's what I want. That's yeah. what I want. When you that's think the best about case scenario. Invested capital. It may not be as impossible. It may not be as possible. Mm-hmm. May not be likely, but that's the best case scenario, right? That we just do uh, away with the discussion. Please. Here's the good one. Let's say that Trey Lance and Brock Purdy are on equal footing, right? And we know what we know about Brock Purdy. We know what we know, whatever that is about Trey Lance at this point. Who gets the edge, Steph? But, okay, what we got to define what equal footing is in this case. Is it Brock okay. Purdy being fully cleared uh-huh. and and coming back? Because we do, we also have to know what Brock Purdy looks like after the surgery. It's not just about, like, being fully cleared and he's good. He's going to be the starter. We got to mm-hmm. see what he would look like, right? Is mm-hmm. he the same quarterback? Is his arm working the same way it was before? Um, all those things. So let for for the sake of the comparison in this game, mm-hmm. let's just let's just say that he comes out of it looking like the same guy, right? So mm-hmm. equal footing. All right. Um, I'm afraid I, it's so tough. It's so I fear. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to do this. Um. <laughs> I think uh, I don't know who gets the edge, man. I uh-huh. really don't know. I feel like there's this, uh, you know, hot hand always wins. I feel like because of recency mm. bias and just like everything like that. Um, so Trey Lance would have the edge there, but it feels like as of right now, as of right now, it feels like Brock Purdy has the locker room edge. He is, yes, he's got in the locker room. So which one wins in that scenario? It really. It all matters what Kyle Shanahan thinks, because at the end of the right. day, he's going to make that final call. So who right. would Kyle Shanahan pick in that scenario? I think you bring up a valid point about the locker room thing, and this is what I'm talking about with Trey Lance's play, because Trey Lance can do everything right, but does the locker room still want to look at him while they've backed Brock Purdy this entire time? This is what I'm saying about the discussion. He can complete 300 to 300 passes. He can run for 100 yards per preseason game and, and tear it up all training camp. As long as the locker room remembers what Brock Purdy did during this time and as, as heavily as they've backed him, there's always going to be that discussion. Now, whether the discussion comes from the locker room or it comes from media or outside noise and people on Twitter, that discussion isn't going anywhere because people are always going to point to, well, he did all that in preseason and training camp. I've watched this guy win two playoff games and do all this in the regular season. So that's why I think no matter what Trey Lance does, no matter how well he plays, that discussion just doesn't go away because of how hard this locker room is going for Brock Purdy at this point. And that's what makes covering the San Francisco 49ers so so much fun. I mean, we just we continue over and over to talk about the same things. And look, there needs to be a larger discussion about why the locker room prefers Purdy at this point or Jimmy over Trey, right? Now, when you think about the staple members of this locker room, Trent Williams is in the twilight of his career. He's been talking about contemplating retirement, right? George Kittle knows that you can't sustain this level of football for this long, right? Um, You've got guys on this team, Fred Warner. They want to win immediately. And again, this all goes back to why I hate the situation for Trey Lance. I think there's a huge miscalculation in terms of what they could do with 
towards his development while balancing this win now roster. So I do think that the locker room wants to win and they realize that, you know, everybody talks about Super Bowl window. Your Super Bowl window does not stay open for four and five years. It's just it's there's a there's a bit of luck involved, injury luck, bounces of the ball, calls by refs that put you in this spot. You can't just expect to wake up every single year and just say, well, we're going to be in the NFC title game. And then you have to think about the other teams that are improving. Mm-hmm. Other teams are going to make moves as well, too. There's always going to be a team that comes from last place and jumps up. I mean, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, they're, they're back-to-back years in the playoffs, and now they make the Super Bowl. So I do think that the locker room prefers the guy that can help them win right now. And, again, this is just a miscalculation by Trey uh, by uh, Jimmy and – Jimmy, I'm sorry – by Kyle and John in terms of what they thought they could do with his development with this win-now team, Steph. I just feel bad for Trey Lance. I really do. No, I agree. I mean, that, I, to me, I think that's definitely it because they see a guy in either Jimmy or Brock who has experience. And a lot of the times, like, when players were asked about Hurdy, like, we were hearing some of the same things. Like, yeah, like, he just had that experience in college, so he was able to, you know, do this and that, and he's bringing that in. Uh, to this as as far as like confidence and poise as well like those are always the things that gets brought up um, with Brock Purdy and so I I do think that's a huge part of it as well like obviously Brock Purdy has the advantage or the edge of having um, you know the experience and clearly that's gone a long way for him and then you know when you have a guy like Trey Lance on the other side who's who's very raw who needs the experience who needs those reps he's going to be behind the ball a little bit. So it, yeah, it's unfair. It's unfair to Trey, but that that's just how it is. And that's why I'm encouraged by what Trey's said. Like he wants to be able to compete. He knows what he's up against in Brock Purdy. You know, he knows how well Brock Purdy played. He he doesn't want to just be given the, the starting spot. Uh, he doesn't expect to, so he knows what he has to do. And so, I think he's going to have to do what Brock Purdy can do and a little extra. And the good thing is, as far as talent goes, as far as his athleticism, I think he does have the capability to give a little extra, right? He, you know, um, he can throw the ball on a rope, you know, downfield, even when his arm is fatigued. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, he, yes, he can run a little bit, maybe not like Kyle Shanahan, you know, hoped or, or liked, uh, but he does have that ability as well. So I think he, he could potentially give you extra than Brock Purdy. And I think that's it. That's what it's going to take for Trey Lance to be looked at in the locker room as, okay, wow, this, this could be a guy, you know what I mean? Cause I think when, when the shift happened between Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy is because everyone saw that Brock Purdy was doing something a little extra. He could do the same things that Jimmy Garoppolo do just, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And that's really all you need to to keep advancing in this league. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, again, I think it just boils down to this team being on the cusp, not getting it done, and not having the patience to to sit with the bumps and bruises, right? Like, you know, we, we, we preached all offseason about, hey, if you're thinking about a 13-win team, you know, you might want to take that off the table just because there'll be some some – progression and, and and times where you'll see the flashes and sometimes you'll see the the rawness and everything as well too so i i do think that that's where the locker room is when it comes to that let's shift gears real quick steph and free agency is upon us right now 
what is a dream scenario for the 49ers in terms of bringing in a free agent, right? Like the 49ers necessarily, you know, Mooney Ward was somebody who they brought in in free agency, but the 49ers tend to promote their own draft, try to do it that way, as opposed to big free agency splashes, no matter how much 49ers Twitter and myself yell about sign this guy, sign that guy. We know that there's that monopoly money called the salary cap, but Steph, What's a dream scenario for the 49ers or a dream player uh, for the 49ers to sign to really, really elevate this team? Um, let's go with scenario first, because I mm-hmm. think it's, it might not be the most popular um, mm-hmm. opinion or scenario in people's minds, but I think it would really help the team. You bring back Mike McGlinchey, you bring back mm-hmm. Emmanuel Mosley, Mm-hmm. And then you go from there, you know, you, mm-hmm. you fill in other holes from there. But mm-hmm. those are two guys that I would love to have back. And I know a lot of people mm-hmm. aren't a fan of Mike McGlinchey, but we know the offensive linemen don't just grow on trees. So mm-hmm. we know how valuable Mike McGlinchey is in that sense that there aren't many good replacement options out there. Uh, so I would like to bring Mike McGlinchey back. It's not going to happen, though. I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think Emmanuel Mosley is much more possible. Yeah, I I agree too. Um, And here's the thing about Mike. And a lot of people just, again, Mike's a victim of his own draft capital. Because when you look at the draft and you see Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, Jair Alexander, all these guys after that you're just looking like, why didn't we get this guy? Okay, well, look, doesn't matter at this point. Because I still haven't gotten over the fact that the 49ers drafted Jalen Hurd over Terry McLaurin. Okay, it happens. Move on. But here's the thing. Mike McGlinchey was coming off an injury that usually shelves people for their career and came back and he played almost every single game. He broke two ribs during the season, played every single game, and was still one of the top run blockers, which is why maybe if you want to make the argument of the, I guess, the class of other offensive tackles that are available right now is the reason that Mike is at the top or you could make the argument that Mike is the top run-blocking offensive tackle out there, and he's still very young. Now, Jawan Taylor is somebody who here's – the, here's the dichotomy, right? Everybody wants a guy who can do everything, right? I want a guy who can pass pro, and I want a guy who can run block. Well, you know what? Trent Williams is one of one, and every other guy has deficiencies. They're either very good at something or they're they're lacking in another way. Okay, so I think we understand that Mike McGlinchey's limitations were going to be in pass pro, and you hope that that will come along. Well, run blocking, he's a stud. So there's somebody out there, Jawan Taylor of the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be out there. He's amazing in pass pro. He's one of the worst run blockers out there. So what are you willing to give up at this point? And you have to think about this. Last year, Tom Compton came in and he filled in admirably. And it was only more ammunition for the people that were like, anyone's an upgrade over Mike, which is unequivocally false like it's it's literally like nonsense it's nonsense to say that but at the same time you noticed the things going on at the end of the at the end of the year i.e the packers and rams game down the stretch where compton was being targeted and getting blown up on almost every pass pro rep so don't give me that anybody's an upgrade and if you want to make the argument that you don't want to invest this amount of money into mike mcglinchey that's fine but I think the slander has gotten way too out of hand at this point because if you want to highlight the one bad rep that he has, why are you not going to highlight the 40 other reps that he has either in run blocking or when he does good pass pro 
it's just it's gotten out of hand and social media has has a big hand in it and it just it is taking away the ability to properly evaluate offensive line and Mike McGlinchey's play and that's the unfortunate part I think with with him Steph he is going to leave though yeah and and it's funny because you ask anyone what position do the 49ers need to address this offseason everyone's going to say offensive line at least half of those people maybe even 75 percent of those people don't want Mike McGlinchey back make it make sense right Make it make sense. Right. Anyway, right. I, I agree that like trench play is very important. And that's why I think a lot of people are saying offensive line, because also we saw, um, you know, the Eagles with one of the best offensive lines in the NFL go to the Super Bowl. We saw the Chiefs who improved their offensive line uh, go to their go to the Super Bowl. The 49ers can potentially do the same thing. Now, on the other side is the defensive line, um, which, you know, could use some upgrades here and there as well particularly as we were talking about Javon Kinlaw, a defensive tackle, right? So I know that for a lot of people, maybe even you as well, Jay, Deron Payne is Say that it. guy. He's yes, that sir. guy who you would want to have up the middle, a disruptor, I mean, a mm -hmm. game changer. And that's that's exactly who the 49ers need on their defensive line. They need someone else mm -hmm. other than Nick Bosa, maybe even someone other than another edge rusher. Obviously, they still do need another edge rusher because Ebukam – um, may not be coming back either. Maybe mm -hmm. Omenihu doesn't come back either. But a guy up the middle, I think, would go a long way as well. And Deron Payne is maybe one of the most disruptive guys there there is out there. He's going to cost a pretty penny. But, you know, we're just talking about dream scenarios here. I'm not yeah. I'm not footing the bill. <laughs> but, you know, that mm -hmm. that's just my dream right there. So that I think that signing would potentially go a long way. And Steph, this is the thing, is the 49ers with the offensive line have shown that they're going to do a Band-Aid thing or they have guys mm -hmm. that they are ready to replace, right? Yeah. I.e. Lakin Tomlinson, as soon as he leaves, Aaron Banks, you're up. And Aaron Banks played well. Jake Brendel, three career starts, 20 games started this year. And now, you know what? Maybe Nick Sakel's the guy who, who fills in for him. Same thing kind of with Mike McGlinchey. It kind of feels like internally they have somebody who they're ready to promote, Colton McKivitz. And then you have to trust Kyle to be able to scheme around that, not put Colin McKibbitts in bad spots and, and be able to, you know, use whatever quarterback to his best ability. That's one part. But if you do lose Mike McGlinchey and Jimmy Ward, what you should do is you don't necessarily reinvest that money into just another offensive lineman, right? Like it, mm -hmm. the, the, the reason that the 49ers are in this spot right now with defensive tackle is because they thought it was prudent to replace DeForest Buckner with another defensive tackle. I would argue that best player available, whether in the draft or how to build your roster, is this way. If you lose McGlinchey and you lose Ward, you don't take that money and you just go sign another safety or you sign another right tackle. You take that money and you send it to Deron Payne. And you send it to him because you, if you're going to take a step back on offense, you better make sure that your defense is even better now at this point. So instead of filling a need, because you do have someone that you believe in behind and you're going to get, again, production for a cost of the a fraction of the cost is building the best possible roster so if you do lose mike mcglinchy who may command 15 million dollars 16 million dollars a year you do lose jimmy ward who's going to command seven to eight million dollars a year invest that money on your defensive side and and help that pass rush i think we all can agree that the secondary is going to take a step regardless of who's there because of steve wilkes right and when you look at how the 49ers have built their roster 
Deshaun Gibson cost a million dollars, five interceptions. I don't know if you can get better bang for your buck than that. Jake Brendel, a million something, 20 games started, one sack allowed. More bang for your buck. Daniel Brunskill's there for you in the background. You need to sign him. He's important because if if it goes wrong with Nick Sakel, if it goes wrong with Colton McKibbitts, you have a guy who can step in who has given you reps for a cheap cost. So, look, you may not agree with the way the 49ers do business, but if you are going to let Mike McGlinchey walk like we think we will, then invest that money in the defensive line. Invest that money in getting pass rush so you can offset the loss on your offense with an even more ferocious defense. That's just the way I'm looking at it, stuff. No, I, I think it totally makes sense. And like I said, everyone wants drawn pain. I know, uh, you know, Jordan, he had a he had a great uh, article on Marcus Davenport. Marcus Davenport. And, yeah, and, and him potentially being a, a edge rusher that the 49ers can pick up as well. I mean, I'm looking at him. There's you can bring Arden Key back. Um you, <laughs> you know, there's there's options out there and there's nice ones. Uh mm-hmm. on a sidebar, can I just say how terrible the wide receiver of free agency class is this season? What do you mean? How dare you slander Jacoby Myers? What do you mean? Wait, wait, Steph. You don't want Odell Beckham? <laughs> <laughs> The fact that Jacoby Myers like tops the list tells you Richie James. <laughs> hey, Richie James was great with the Giants. He man. was. I hope, I, I hope they bring him back because he was great. You for know them. what's funny is in terms of separation, I think he's at the top of the list of separation per route run. I mean, out of mm-hmm. the slot. Rich, shout out to Richie James, man. But yeah, look, wide receivers. I think the 49ers is set, right? Like yeah, you know, Jawan Jennings is is uh. Is, <laughs> But it's still not going to stop 49ers fans from putting Odell Beckham in a 49ers uniform and and, and all that stuff. But um, look, it needs to be defensive and it needs to be, you know, somebody like like I said, Zach Allen. I love a defensive end. Marcus Davenport, certainly, uh, you know, everybody wants Deron Payne. Uh, Hargrove from the Eagles is somebody else that's 30 years old. You have to remember Deron Payne is 26. And also we have to keep in mind that Washington can franchise tag him. They can. So that's out there as well, too. It's not like he's just unrestricted. They can do whatever they want, like, when it comes to that because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, and they let him hoop, and he balled out, and now the Bills come. Um, But I do think that they expect a big jump from Drake Jackson on the edge. Um, Certainly when you look at the investment in draft capital and you listen to people in the building and when you listen to Kyle talk at the end of the year in which he said, you know, Drake just – lost steam at the end of the year, and and that's why we had him inactive. We had better options. I do think he hit a bit of a rookie wall. He needs to get into the weight room a little bit more, beef up, and he needs to be better in in run defense. But I do think that they expect that as well, too. So, again, like the plan is always they've got someone to replace someone. I do think Ebukam walks. I do think that they are going to try to rely on Dre Jackson a little bit more. Whether he can make that leap or not is what we're going to find out um, in training camp as well, too. But, yeah, Deron Payne is a dream, man. That's just a, It's just a dream. It's like if, if Washington doesn't want to pay him, the 49ers find a way to get him. You're talking about lining up Deron Payne next to Eric Armstead with Nick Bosa and, you know, whatever, Drake Jackson, Omenihue. I think Omenihue actually comes back. Um, I do think you that do? the unfortunate – yeah, I think the unfortunate situation at the end of the year um, is going to cast a bit of a dark cloud on him. And I do think that the 49ers kind of showed that they were going to stick behind him Regardless, I don't know the full facts. I'm not here to speculate on that. 
Um, but I do think uh, they'll have a chance to bring him back. And then when you think about the system and everything, he'll have his chance to – it'll probably be a one-year deal. He'll have his chance to prove himself and get back out there in free agency. So I do think he comes back as well too. Um, it, it all depends on how they make the money work. And, you know, let's not forget, the 49ers have to sign that Nick Bosa guy because he's pretty good at football. Who? <laughs> Uh yeah yeah I I I mean uh Joey Bosa I'm sorry I said the wrong <laughs> name I apologize <laughs> yeah I was watching the I was watching uh NFL Network yesterday and someone called Nick Joey and I was like why does this keep happening why you guys have sheets in front of you right you guys see the <laughs> cheat sheets need more goodness of those. gracious and, and you know what's funny usually brothers sisters siblings they look alike. I don't yeah. think Nick and Joey look alike at all. No, they do not. Yeah, like it's so strange. They don't even speak the same. Like one, whatever, is more angry. Someone than the was other like, guys. "Yeah," someone was like, "You need to do Joey Bosa next for impersonation." I was like, "No, he's no. He talks completely different." I I don't know if no. I can do that. <laughs> all right, Steph, let's wrap this up with me asking you: Did your invitation to Cabo get lost in the mail? <laughs> it did. It did. Coach must have. Why? Why, coach? Why? Why can't I go? Um, but do you think it's weird that the players are vacationing with Kyle Shannon? It seems like there's a little bit of, like, not teacher's pets, but his favorites? What do you think? I don't think it's weird. I think it's awesome. I think mm-hmm. it's awesome. Who? We don't know if other players were invited. We don't know if there's other mm-hmm. players who are there that we don't know are there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think every player has their choice where they want to go. I'm sure everyone in it, you know, like when you're in a friend group and everyone's talking about, hey, like we should go to Cabo. You know, we should mm-hmm. we should go here. And there's always some people who are like, eh, I don't know. Like, I'll probably go somewhere else. Or like, you know, that it's people yeah. got other plans. Like people do other things. Maybe, maybe a player's wife or girlfriend or whatever didn't want to hang out with the boys you know like mm-hmm. i don't know they want time for themselves it totally makes sense do you want to be around your boss like on vacation from your work you know it's a valid question uh, i think it's cool right. that some of these players do clearly mm-hmm. want to be around their boss mm-hmm. i don't think that other players vacation with their boss but i do think that this kind of speaks to how close they are and why Kyle values these guys' opinions so much. So Mm -hmm. when you see Trent, when you see Kittle, when you see all these guys around, um, that's why their opinion holds so much weight when it comes to who they want and prefer as quarterback. That's some of the – I think that adds to the discussion as well too. You know what would have been hilarious, Steph, is, you know, these videos that are coming out of guys on boats taking shots and everything – and it's like you just see Brock Purdy in the background just getting lit like before the surgery. And it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Like you got to you got to go get a surgery. But um, I do think that Kyle has like a board of players, Kittle, Trent, Debo, um, the guys that he really looks to and values their opinion when it comes to not only the quarterback, but just many things. Um, so I do think that that's a sign of it. It does for me speak to the camaraderie and the closeness of the locker room. Um, And at times during the season, it doesn't feel like it, but Kyle just wants to be one of the boys, man. Like Kyle just really like wants to kick back in. Yeah. And I feel like this season was especially stressful with all the quarterback stuff, how close they got, how they lost um, all those things. So yeah, you know, I I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. It's just coach. I mean, I'm available, man. It's the off season. I don't even want to talk. Like I would tell him, I'm like, I don't even want to talk about the quarterback stuff. Let's just hang out and throw footballs into pizza ovens, man. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, what, what are we doing here? It's just, I'm jealous. It's freezing over here on the East Coast. Coach, help me out. 
It would have been nice to get an invite. Just saying. Just saying, Kyle. Damn it, Kyle. And you're listening to this podcast we get, now. And you we are. can throw on the music. We'll be in charge of the music, you know? Yeah. We'll yeah. Keep it, popping. I, keep it and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, we'll, we'll keep it going. You know, 21 and Drake, good transitions over to other music and stuff. Like, and we'll be out the way. Uh, and, and, and I'm cheap as well, too. I don't really need to eat too much, you know? So, all right. We're completely off the rail, Steph. Uh, it's good to see you again. Um, but yeah, next week is the combine. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe Kyle and John will be there. Um, ask them some hard hitting questions about. Cabo, whatever it is that we want to ask, but I'm sure there'll be questions about the quarterback. Uh, you know, if even if we don't get a chance to ask the questions, someone will. So there's a lot of stuff to to actually go through. It's a, it's officially the offseason, free agency, draft prospects. The combine is where we start to figure out who's going to be that third round draft pick. What are the needs? All those things. So exciting time. Hope to see you down at Indy next week, Steph. You got to make it happen. I hope so. I hope so. I'm gonna yeah. make some phone calls. <laughs> I, I mean, get on the phone, get them sources going and everything. Uh, but but yeah, make sure you guys subscribe to the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your audio podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network wherever you get your audio podcast. Make sure you follow Steph on Twitter at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at JasonAponte2103. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time and your insight. I love calling you that. I think it's really We're not funny. doing that. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not doing for that. For Jason... For Jason and for Steph, we're out of here. Peace.